As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The Champions League is back and, to be fair, so is the Europa League, Man United fans, which means there's no better time to sign up for all the unrivaled coverage at The Athletic. Right now, new subscribers can get a half-price annual subscription that works out less than £1 a week for an entire year. All you have to do is head to theathletic.com slash league show. But hurry, you've only got until the 25th of February. That's theathletic.com slash league show. Wyker McGeady, Yates and Medine, Clark and Parkin spot the odd one out. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hello listener, it's me Faker Rothers here this week to guide you through yet another frozen weekend in the EFL and alongside me the odd one's out. You'd guessed it already, I'm sure. First up, he played for Swindon, Northampton and the mighty Luton Town amongst others. It's Sam Parkin. How you doing, Sam? Good afternoon, Faye. Uh, completing the double act, it is former Southend Stevenage and Arsenal winger Adrian Clark. Great weekend for Southend. Absolutely, absolutely, it's fantastic. Out to the bottom too. It's been it's been a long old struggle for my former side, but um, yeah, look, light at the end of the tunnel. Um, the, the the great escape might be on. It might be indeed. Right, it's time to ease you into the weekend reviews. Then with this performance of the weekend. Yes, it's performance of the weekend, our silly start to the show where we get 15 seconds to declare which team we think performed best. Watford have been banned from this before you get outraged, although that's already too late for Twitter. As a Wickham, don't worry, we are going to chat about you later on. Chill your beans. I know social media brings the worst out in people. We are not forgetting about you. Uh, right, Adrian, you're up first. Who have you gone for? Uh, Southend United. OK, what have we got? Gongs or, or what this week, Abby? Um, we have got a klaxon, I believe, this week. Ooh, I love it. Over to you. Look, sometimes a nil-niller deserves high praise, and that's definitely the case for Southend. The restricted leaders came with just four shots at the Abbey, registering 13 of their own. Winger Nathaniel George was outstanding. Mark Mosley got his shape spot on, and the Shrimpers are out of the bottom too. Spot oh, yes. on. Beautifully timed. Okay, Sam, Barnsley for you. 
Yeah, I thought this was an outstanding win. Brilliant performance. Just relentless closing down for the whole 90 minutes. Did a great job on Tony. Not seeing anyone do that successfully so far this season. And the other Brentford forwards as well. Great full debut from striker Daryl Dykey. Well played the tights. Possibly the best I've seen this season. Ooh, we crushed it a little bit there. Hmm. Point deducted. Uh, and I've, okay. mispronounced, I've mispronounced the one name which I nailed for the whole of yesterday's commentary because I've commentated him <laughs> on him in the MLS. Daryl DK. DK. Okay. Right. Well, I am going to go for uh, Norwich. So after four games without a win, what a way to get over a goal drought as well, with a tidal wave of goals, in fact. Camp Wells was a delicious elixir with a beautiful extra cheeky touch from Vrancic. Pookie tapped in. Buendia bathed in the congratulations. Pookie's penalty. Lucky that the uh, klaxon went off then because I could not think of something uh, water-related uh, for Timu Puki. Uh, but there you go. Oh, he was teaming over with goals. There you go. There you go. But it's a bit too late, wasn't it? A bit rubbish. Anyway, uh, head on to Twitter. It's at The Totally Show to vote for your favourites. Now, sir, remember, a tattoo is permanent, so tell me one more time what you want. Uh, well, I want Bruno Fernandes knocking a liver bird off its perch with a free kick, with Ollie as a kind of, like, god in the sky. Oh, and Champions 2021 on top as well. I can't see anything going wrong there, Man United fan. But if things don't go exactly as expected, Paddy Power's Acker Insurance gets you a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus fold Acker lets you down. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10, min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive, excludes shop bets, excludes enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply, 18 plus, begamalaware.org. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. OK, first stop the championship. These are your headlines. Norwich topped the table after a 4-1 smashing of Stoke. What was that about a lack of goals? Hornets sting Robins in some kind of winged creatures battle at Vicarage Road. Wickham win their fourth game of the season and two games were called off in the big freeze of 2021. Uh, there is only one place to start though and I told you Watford fans, didn't I? This had nothing to do with the fact that I'm a Luton fan, that we were li- leaving you out of performance of the week. We're going top with you. Watford 6, Bristol City nil. And Watford are going to break away here and they're going to look to find a sixth. Bristol City ripped wide open once more. Saar on a hat-trick and he just rolls it across for Zinkenagel to get his first Watford goal. How unselfish by Ishmael Saar. But that sums up the kind of team performance that we have seen from Watford here this afternoon. Is this the day that Watford reignited their season? Producer Abby told us that she got a text from Kelly Summers on Saturday night, uh, taking back everything that she said on the pod last week, where she was properly miserable about the state of Watford. Uh, fast forward six days and six goals and the Hornets are back flying again. And Ishmael Star in particular, Adrian, was just outstanding, wasn't he? Oh, he really was. I mean, two goals, two assists for, for Saar. He, he did what I think many people expected him to do almost every week in the Championship, because this is a player that's been linked with with moves back to the Premier League. And he was pretty good, wasn't he, at times during their relegation battle. He had a slight leg up by virtue of the fact that, that um, Riley Towler was forced into playing wing-back for Bristol City. He's a midfield player. He's only 18. This is only his second start, I think, for, for the Robins. And it was a bit of a mismatch. And, and Saar absolutely 
you know, took him to the cleaners. Um, but it wasn't just him. I, I just thought it was uh, outstanding team performance, you know, slick, cohesive. And it just goes to show, doesn't it, what a bit of manager speculation can can sometimes do to a team. I mean, Zisco Munez was, was basically out, wasn't he? And, and all of a sudden... Well, it's Watford, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he, he, all of a sudden, that talk has been quietened. Also, I have to say, Will Hughes, really good. And, and for me, he should always be in that team, Will Hughes. He's been in and out for a lot of this campaign. He's a really good footballer. And uh, I would expect him to feature most, well, every game when he's fit and available. Was that because of his position move in this game? Because Hughes ended up in a in a midfield three in this change of formation. Was that what did it for for Zisco? Yeah, I think so, Faye. Um, I was there for the QPR defeat and they just afforded QPR far too much space, gave them far too much respect. And I think with that extra man in midfield, with him having the opportunity to really dictate things from a bit deeper and obviously not shunted out wide, gives them a much better balance. That said, I think we've been kind of speculating about what way Watford should go week after week this season. Um, it Should it be 4-4-2? Should it be 4-3-3? Let's look at this game in isolation. Two wide players were brilliant. And I think Jao Pedro, because of his cleverness of movement, youthful exuberance, the tricks, he can play as a number nine, no problem. So I would expect this the way that, that Watford would go. I, I spoke about maybe Fritza being the number nine. Um, as as an option, I still stand by that. But yeah, it's not going to be about Graham and Troy Deeney for me uh, consistently to get Watford propelled to the top of the division. So this was a really good performance, but against um, an abject Bristol City. Yes, I've looked into it a little bit deeper, but you only had to look at the goals. They were all over the place. Is Moonwes safe now, would you say? I mean, I'm just looking at their fixtures coming up. They've got Preston, Derby, uh, Blackburn, Bournemouth, then Wickham. What do you reckon, Adrian? Well, no Watford manager is ever safe, are they? Let's oh. face it. You're only ever one game away from the sack or one one row with Troy Deeney away from the bullet, aren't you? Down at Vicarage Road. So yeah, no, um, no, no Deeney or Gray this weekend either. No, but look, I did I did read an interview with one of the players. I think it was Firminia who said that that Troy Deeney had been quite vocal actually before the game, even though he wasn't playing, and has sort of roused the troops and said. That standards have to be higher, and and they definitely, they definitely did raise the standards, not just on the ball but off it as well. Uh, and they caught Bristol City on a really bad run on a very very bad day. It was just a, a sort of you know perfect storm, I think, for the Hornets. Um, yeah, Cisco will 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 go on to the next game, but but for how much longer? Who knows? Mm, how much longer is uh, Dean Holden going to be lasting at Bristol City as well? They're all over the place, aren't they? Uh, bearing in mind that performance. They did capitulate. They did, for the first couple of goals, look like statues defending as well. Would you say, Sam, that they're playing for the manager? Is that a bit unfair? I think they've been decimated by injuries and especially down the left-hand side. I mean, the list is as long as your arm, really, in terms of the options that they could have in that position. I don't think the young player who Adrian rightly pointed out had a really difficult first half I don't think he was supported by the more senior players so I expect that to be reshuffled maybe reconfigured the the formation moving ahead to make them more solid it's difficult to say whether they're playing for him and it's easy to say now but it was a hell of a it was a hell of an appointment 
to go for. It was a hell of a risk. Um, and if the supporters were in Ashton Gate right now, I, he probably wouldn't survive this. But I think given that it's his first season, they have to persevere right now, but they have to be better going the other way as well. One shot on target, nine shots in target in total over the last five games. I think it says it all really. That that threat has always been a concern for me. And I think Adrian mentioned it maybe a month, six weeks ago, the lack of ball winners in the middle of the pitch. I mean, I think it was Masengo, Patterson and Lansbury, Lansbury at the weekend, which which screams to me that they're going to be a little bit of a soft touch if that's the way they go. Mm, they are 13th in the in the table though, so it's not, you know, completely dire straits, but this is a team that have been consistently pushing for for the playoffs and and in some seasons uh, automatic promotion as well. They've got a tough few fixtures Adrian coming up as well, Reading, Barnsley, Borough uh, and Swansea. Oh yeah, that's is a, not a good run and you do wonder will we'll Holden make it to the end of that 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 sequence of matches. I think they're in relegation form, even though they're actually not a million miles away from the playoffs. But if you look at it, since the start of December, only Birmingham and Wickham have earned more points. I think they've lost nine of their last 12. It's not good. And and Sam's right about the, the lack of steel in the middle of the park. They've sort of addressed that at times, but in this game, yeah, too weak, too, too fragile in there. Uh, Henry Lansbury, I mean... <laughs> He's not had a lot of first-team football, let's face it, for, for a long, long time. He's a very technical player. And I just don't know if he's the answer to what they need at the moment in that position. And I think he, he was particularly off the pace in this in this game. So, yeah, you've got to look at their January recruitment and say, did, did they get it right? Uh, especially given how short they are now that injuries have struck. Yeah, tough one for them. Reading midweek, as I said. Uh, now then, on Thursday's show, George and Ali said that it was key for Huddersfield to get back to winning ways after not winning in seven. And they were beaten 2-3 by Wickham um, after going two up as well. It seemed like their fortunes would really turn round, but this Wickham team just do not know when they're beat. Wickham now looking for a winner through Knight, who scores a winner! Unbelievable for Gareth Ainsworth's side. Josh Knight on loan from Leicester. First goal in the championship for Wickham Wanderers. And surely that is a huge three points. Carlos Corberon can't believe it. Gareth Ainsworth can't believe they're still playing. There's the final whistle. It's all over. What a comeback for Wickham. Incredible recovery. Um, Actually had a look just previously to coming on. Um, they've gone behind in every away game, Wickham Wanderers this season. Um, they've actually taken eight points um, from going behind, which is one of the better records in the division. But I think they have to stop doing that and give themselves a chance. Um, but yeah, this was incredible to think that they were so all over the place. Didn't have to work hard for the goals at all. Uh, as bad as I've probably seen Wickham defend in terms of the the, the goal incidents this season. So brilliant, all about Endeavour. Ikpiazu has been a revelation. They'd have so many more points had he been there and fit since the start of the season. Mometi's goal as well, the timing of that meant that this was achievable. Otherwise, they probably don't um, get anything from the game, in my, in my opinion. But yeah, just all about that resolve, which, you know, that stat that I've just reeled off um, shows you. 
I thought Knight in midfield as well. What a um, decision that was from Gareth Ainsworth, not only with the goal, but his overall performance and the one that crashed off the crossbar in the first half showed beautiful technique, which obviously you get from being schooled at a, a top academy. So yeah, wonderful victory and, and you hope for their perspective, it, it works as a springboard and this can be the turning point. And on Josh Knight, Sam, he he had a particular nightmare, didn't he, against um, Glenn Murray in the, in yeah. the Forest game and, and could easily have been dropped completely from the squad. But I think that's really good management from, from Gareth Ainsworth, <laughs> maybe to recognise that, OK, we'll maybe take him out of centre-half, but he, he can do a job in this game uh, in midfield. So, yeah, full credit to, to Ainsworth there. But again, a little bit like Bristol Bristol City, Faye, Huddersfield, not... Not in a good spot at the moment. Very, very poor. Yeah, they are. We'll get to Huddersfield in a second. I just want to concentrate on Wickham. And by the way, Leicester have got some cracking uh, low knees out in uh, the EFL at the moment, haven't they? But I was looking at what Gareth Ainsworth had to say at the end of the match. Let's write our own story, he said. But Paddy Power aren't taking bets on their relegation anymore. But they're 10 points from safety. And actually, in the kind of season, well, every season in the championship is like this, but the kind of season that this is, you wouldn't definitely write them off writing their own like magical Gareth Ainsworth style um, musical story, would you? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I just think it's beyond them. But I, I love the fact that they can, on any given day, upset the odds they can if they catch you if they catch a team that's not really with it their their spirit and their sort of togetherness and resolve can can cause some problems and, and Sam picked out Ikpiazu he, he's a he's a nightmare you won't want to mark him so he he is capable I think of, of troubling any defense if you can get the service into into them the problem for Wickham and looking at their games they kind of played most of the teams around them already um, in terms of the running, they don't meet that many relegation rivals. So six pointers are in are in fairly short supply, but they do they do face a lot of teams that that are possibly mid table fodder. So so you never know, you never know. But I, I think that the bookies very rarely get these things wrong. And I think was it last week, hundred to one on or something ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I won't be backing them to stay up. I missed out on my bet of uh, Fulham to beat Everton yesterday in the Premier League because I didn't get there in time because I was driving back from the Emirates. I was quite cross with myself for that. Uh, Anyway, um, what has caused this horrific downturn uh, from a Huddersfield perspective? Eight without a win now. They're five points outside the relegation places. That's come some kind of spiral, Sam. Yeah, um, defensively, really poor. Obviously moved for Richard Keogh during the, the window. I think because the, the shape's been pretty much the same throughout this disappointing run, what the, the eight um, game winless run or whatever it is, maybe something's going to have to give there. I love Richard Keogh in a back three. I felt with Toffolo missing at the weekend due to suspension, uh, Lewis O'Brien was hung out to dry a little bit playing um, at left back. I'd like to see him in a more offensive position. So I thought that was an opportunity for Corbran to try something new, but he is obviously a, not so much in the shape, but he is a disciple of how Marcelo Bielsa goes about things. And I think that is his way. You know, they, they play man for man. They like to have loads of energy, loads of movement when they've got the ball. 
But at the moment, I think the fans would like to see, maybe not in terms of the intensity, but in terms of the setup, something a little bit different, maybe enable you to get another body higher up the pitch as, as well. So I'm not sure exactly why the wheels have completely fallen off, but I think they need to be more solid uh, for a start. And that may mean giving them a, an extra centre-half potentially. Need to be better away from home as well. Third from bottom in the away table. They've got Borough away next, Swansea at home, Derby away and then Preston away. So it doesn't get uh, that much easier for uh, Corberon. And any concerns about his uh, very clean trainers that was noticed by uh, producer Abby. He was kneeling on the grass. I mean, I was concerned. Maybe he's got a number of pairs and can just wear a pair a game. Well, I, I, yeah, mo, mo, a lot of footballers are quite OCD, Faye. And I know a load that that give trainers just two or three runouts max, and then they'll and then they'll go they'll go to the to to the spotless pair again. It, you very rarely see see some of these guys with with dirt on their trainers. Just keep keep your eye out for for that. Oh, Darren forward. Darren Bent is one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thousands I never, of trainers. I was never among those. I have to say, I was a scruff bag. Were you a <laughs> um, were you a dirty converse man, Adrian? Because I was. I'm. I fall into that category. I'm afraid. I'm a very clean. I'm, no, I'm a very clean trainer, and uh, if it's one of my regrets from my footballing career it's when I moved back to London at the end and I had boxes and boxes of trainers of fresh trainers basically with one little mark on them that I obviously deemed not good enough to wear any longer horrendously Uh, wasteful I do not endorse that at all Um, (laughs) my trainers regularly need a clean it's not the worst (laughs) vice Faye I'm glad to mention that, Sam. I, did, I, I sort of had you down as a clean Mate, honestly, and the down. thing I left out there, and this isn't pretending that I, well, this isn't saying I was, I've ever been rich uh, to any extent, but the amount of money I spent on trainers, my, they're all like designer trainers I used to wear once to a party and get a little drink spilt on them and I buy a new pair. I can't deal with this. Criminal. I'm, I'm shutting you both up now because it just makes me angry. <laughs> I can't Criminal. cope. Uh, right, Birmingham nil, Luton Town one. Come on, you hatters. It is uh, generally the rule that the presenter gets to speak about their team. Uh, so we are clearly heading to St Andrews for Luton's win over, over Birmingham. Uh, we will get to the demise that is uh, Birmingham City very shortly. But Dan Potts with the only goal of the game. Um, a month without a win for Luton. I want some praise for us, please. Uh, we might not have won in a while, but we've been relatively solid uh, at the back. I think that was our second clean sheet this year Dan Potts himself said you know it was it was pretty much on a plate for him wasn't it James Collins had had the had had the touch but it came in from a from a long throw in from from Harry Cornick and and a nice easy tap in for him yeah I think he missed one in the the previous game and I saw I think it was Sonny Bradley having a little word with him afterwards saying I thought you were going to do it again mate so (laughs) um fortunately for Luton he didn't I just think I don't know what Adrian feels but this is for me a very different Luton. I don't think week by week, but obviously the fullbacks at the moment, Pearson on one side and and Potts on the other, very different from the, you know, fullbacks that were really attacking, bombing forward. And I think Glenn Ray makes a big difference to the Luton side, just gives them such a solid foundation in the middle when they didn't have that real defensively minded midfield player throughout their, I suppose, early season woes last, last season. So, it hasn't got that real we'll outscore you um, mentality that I think Luton had when they, they got promoted, obviously, from the, the previous 
the, the, the lower two tiers, but uh, brilliant. Again, away from home, it's shutting down a game and, and nicking a really ugly, horrible game. 1-0, it's, it's no fluke. Uh, Nathan Jones is setting them up brilliantly to do so. I wouldn't say we nicked it. I think we were on top, but... The, yeah, but, yeah, but, I'd, but, agree. I'd agree but, with that. I'd agree with know, that. It was a nasty game, though. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Nasty game, nasty weather as well. Now, listen, I know, I know that you spoke about Birmingham last week. They're second from bottom. Can you see, Clarky, any way that they're going to get out of this situation they find themselves in? Not, if, not unless they improve their form dramatically, that is for sure. I mean, they have been dreadful. Two points from the last 33 possible available to them at St Andrews. It's just awful. I don't think this this display gave supporters any encouragement either. Uh, it was just really flaccid and, and, and flat, obviously on a bad pitch, scrappy game. This can happen, but but it, that's, that's happening all the time. The exception to the rule is a free-flowing performance. I mean, they've got good players in the wide areas. I like Sanchez. I like Bella. Scott Hogan proved at Bournemouth that he's he's a striker that that can score against the best in the division, but as a team, they've just got no flow to them whatsoever. And it was really interesting, wasn't it? The the downbeat way that Karanka spoke afterwards. He said, "Look, playing the way we did today, no, we haven't got any chance of staying up." Very honest, but also <laughs> that could that could be perceived by some as being defeatist, I guess. Yeah, they are bottom of the home form table, six points from their last 12 matches. Brentford also have a a wobble. Um, The game you were at, Sam, Barnsley putting an end to the Brentford unbeaten train, winning 2-0. A big flashback to the final day of the season last year, this one. Yeah, it it really was. I don't want to talk too much about Brentford because they've been unbeaten for 21 games and you can pick holes in what Thomas Frank did yesterday yesterday. If I was being ultra critical, I probably thought that the changes could have come a little bit earlier um, just because Tarek Fossu has been in such great form and Jensen as well. But you have to put into account the amount of games. You just have to. And and the, the players that he's given a rest needed that. But I thought they were better when they had their more technical footballers on there that could play through Barnsley's aggressive press. And I hate the word press. It drives me mad because people just throw it out there all the time. Listen, it's trendy at the were, minute. It, when me and Adrian were playing, you went and closed down the nearest player, and then someone would come with you and support you. And I did play for St. Mirren latter stage of my career when we really did aggressively go after teams collectively. And there is a there is a way you can do that. Barnsley's style, though, is very unique, and they did it amazingly well yesterday the intensity that they play with to stop Brentford playing was just incredible and I thought it was again an example of the the times we're all living in but the manager took his front three off at 2-0 up and put a completely fresh front three on and that says to me that yes they've improved the depth of their squad but he is working with them on the training ground and telling them this is the energy that you have to show. That's how you have to close Brentford down and stop them playing. They did not give them a minute and the level didn't change when the three came on. I just thought it was unbelievable and they have no passages of possession really, Barnsley. They prey on the the opposition's mistakes and that's when they cause them good, you know, real problems and Chaplin, Morris, 
DK all had brilliant games, but weren't heavily involved. Really play really narrow, and um, I just thought it was. I just thought it was a sensational away performance, which had the old school defending in there as well. The three centre halves kicked Tony. They pulled him. They wound him up. It was a job well done. Can I also just make sure that Brentford fans know that when I was suggesting your wobble was Birmingham-like, it was very, very tongue-in-cheek, by the way. Because you know what it's like. Twitter is always a a great, fun place to be. Uh, By the way, Clarkie, that red-haired dude asks, after an impressive showing in the FA Cup of Chelsea, then beating Brentford, are Barnsley underrated and could they crash the playoffs? There is always a late surge at the end, isn't there? There is. Um, I wouldn't expect playoffs, but I would say that they, right now, in the here and now, they're the hardest team to play against in the division. You just wouldn't fancy it because of all the reasons that that Sam outlined. Um, they, they just suffocate teams and and that gives them a chance. That keeps them in matches. And, and look, they've got depth. As, as again, Sam outlined, if you can chop your front three and bring on another front three that includes Corley Woodrow, then then you've got you've got options, haven't you? So, no, I think playoffs is, is probably beyond them. But, but I do believe that, that that performance against Chelsea will have given them loads of confidence because, I mean, that, that they gave them a really good game, didn't they? It was terrific yeah. from, from Barnsley. And, 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 and that's what getting to the third round of the FA Cup can do. You test yourself against, you know, one of the best teams in the country – and you acquit yourself well, suddenly you that self-belief can soar. So, so yeah, I think we can expect a good few weeks from them for sure. Yeah, interesting times for Barnsley. Uh, by the way, really good stats piece on The Athletic by Tom Warville on why Brentford are ready-made uh, for the Premier League, if you fancy reading that as well. Right, let's build an acker and hope that the cold weather is past us now. Adrian, kick us off. Hopefully it's going to be better than your Leeds bet uh, at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't get that right. You've got to keep that a secret. I shouldn't be betting against Arsenal. Um, <laughs> the, um, um, I'm going to go for... Uh, Swansea to beat Nottingham Forest at home. Now, recently they met in the FA Cup and Swansea wiped the floor with Forest. I think it'll be it'll be closer this time around, but but I just I, I really like the the form of Swansea at the moment. From back to front, all the units are, are functioning well, and and they had the weekend off, so so I think they'll be nicely recharged for this one. Sam, you've uh, gone for a championship pick, haven't you, as well? Yeah, I've gone for Millwall against Birmingham to be under two and a half goals. Nailed um, on. Yeah, that said, Millwall have scored six in the last two. So I'm just hoping that they've used their goals up. Um, Birmingham obviously can't score for love nor money. And I've looked at the the, the previous encounters between the two. I, I went back four or five games and there's not been over two goals. So and I think it was the goalless draw the previous meeting. And hopefully... Um, for the sake of this, Gary Rowett maybe is a bit more conservative against his former club and, and Karanka goes proper seven at the back. <laughs> just just on that very quickly, the Championship um, has produced the fewest goals this season. Um, I don't know the up-to-date figure, but ahead of last weekend, it had averaged 2.2 goals per game. Um, so going under 2.5 would put you in the money over the course of the season. So uh, it could be a shrewd run, Sam. Oh, let's see if it's a shrewd one, shall we? Abby, what are the odds? Yes, so for Sam's under 2.5 goals, Paddy Power, uh, very much backing that. That's 4 to 11 um, for that to happen. (laughs) And uh, again, backing Swansea, well, 
mostly backing Swansea. It's evens uh, between those two. Just to say, for that red-haired dude with his question about Barnsley, uh, to reach the playoffs or to finish in the top six, uh, Barnsley are 9-2. to two. Brilliant. Right, before we move on to tier three as well, there are a load of quizzes that The Athletic are putting on at the moment. I love a good quiz, even in lockdown where we've been all quizzed out. This does help you stave off the boredom, but more importantly, it's going to raise money for prostate cancer. Coming up on Friday, it's the Norwich quiz with Michael Bailey. So if you're a subscriber and you fancy yourself as the king or queen canary, then you can head over to theathletic.co.uk forward slash PCUK to register. Thank you very much. Let's head to League One next, shall we? This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is the Totally Football League show. Okay, your headlines in League One, another slate of fixtures decimated by bad weather. Five games off, including Shrewsbury versus Ipswich, which was called off 45 minutes before kickoff. Hull missed a chance to go top following their loss to MK Dons. Lincoln extended their lead to four. For Gillingham, it only takes 30 seconds to score a goal. They went on to beat Charlton 3-2 as well. Oxford are just a point off the playoffs following their 2-1 win over Wigan. And Kenny Jackett will be temporarily stepping down from managing Portsmouth due to a medical procedure which is going to require him to rest and recuperate. We very much uh, wish him a very speedy recovery. Uh, Now, a quick word on the weather. We've seen a couple of games move to Sunday to try and beat uh, the, the poor weather that we've been having. Could more fixtures not have done this as well because it it is elongating an already exhaustive fixture list and it's not as if there are fans around to to worry about in terms of police restrictions and commercial revenue and other and other things Clarky is this something they've really got to 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 look at in more depth definitely you see in cricket they have spare days don't they if there's a rainy day on a one-day international they have that that backup day I think teams are going to have to to think that way moving forward because for example Ipswich I would imagine would have would have gone and stayed overnight at Shrewsbury so they, they could easily have just booked another night in the hotel I'm, I'm presuming and, um, and and done it the next day where, where the forecast was much better so yeah no I, I was really really surprised not to see more games just put back 24 hours. Too, too many just gave up too easily and it, and it might hurt them come, come the end of the season where they suddenly have to cram in maybe two midweek games instead of just the one. Yeah, Lincoln were able to restage their game with Accrington to Sunday at 6pm. I wonder whether Doncaster would have wished that they could have restaged theirs uh, to Sunday and given themselves an extra 24 hours to look at uh, the combination of Aidan McGeady and Charlie Wyke and uh, cross, head, score, repeat. Here's McGeady. In space once more. Charlie Wyke's in the middle. It couldn't happen again, could it? Wyke meets it with the header. He has done it again. Doncaster not learning their lesson. 
And for the fourth time this afternoon, Aidan McGeady finds Charlie White. Crosshead score repeat. It is as easy as that for Sunderland. Charlie White four, Doncaster Rovers one. It was just beautiful to watch, wasn't it? Four identical goals pretty much, apart from the first one coming from a corner. But what a game it was. Uh, McGeady pretty much back from the brink, shut out by Phil Parkinson, but brought back by Lee Johnson. And he's absolutely shone, Sam, hasn't he? Yeah, an unbelievable individual performance. You know, back to where he was consistently under Jack Ross during that um, season when they reached Wembley on a couple of occasions. Had to feel for Halliday to fall back. They'll need some nice words and some good man management, I would suggest, this morning. But, you know, it's a collective thing as well. Once it had happened once or twice, you have to try and stem that supply to Charlie Wyke. And looking at the goals, I was just thinking... They did themselves no favours, Doncaster. I think the first one, Reese James is picking him up from a corner who's about half his size. I'm not sure if they're part zonal, part man for man. Two of the other ones he pulls onto the fullback. I don't know, when you've got two aggressive centre-halves, for me, when I was playing centre-forward, I would hate if one of those followed me and didn't allow me really to pull onto the, the, the smaller guys. It only takes a little bit of reorganisation. I don't know what Clarkie thinks about that, but when... He is their main goal-scoring threat, Charlie White, and aerially. You have to have one of your better head of the balls up against him, I think, even in open play. So, obviously, Doncaster should have done something in that first half, um, and I would expect them to reshuffle defensively after being beaten. I was going to say so convincingly, but certainly smashed the pieces in that first half. They rallied really well after the break. I do agree with you, Sam. I think I think you should be following Charlie White, but they, they're missing their best header of the ball, Tom Anderson. I think he's been a huge miss the last two games. He he was absent for the Fleetwood match, lost three one, and, and and he was he wasn't there for this one either. And he's he's had a tremendous season. So so look, slightly mitigating circumstances, but look, Halliday has to do better, learn from his mistakes. They have to protect him more by by doubling up a little bit and and, and shutting off that supply line. Uh, and and the cover has to be better as well. So so Doncaster definitely um, you know it wasn't one one reason why they were they were undone. It was it was a, a number of factors. But look, credit the winger, thirty four years of age, Aidan McGeady. That was an absolute masterclass. Mikel Arteta, who's been a coach for what five years, he's only four years older than Aidan McGeady. Um, so so let's give him a bit of credit. He's a, he's a veteran. That was an outstanding performance. I tell you else who else needs a little bit of credit, Lee Burge as well. Nothing he could do with the goal they conceded, really, because it came off the post and then off of him into the back of the net. But the two penalty saves that he made, I mean, the two penalties themselves were pretty bad, weren't they? And pretty much summed, summed up Doncaster's day, but you've still got to be a decent keeper to be able to save any penalty, Sam. Yeah, I think it was the Doncaster keeper that, that saved two at Lincoln recently, if you if you remember, and he actually held on to those two. But yeah, Lee Bird, two penalty saves and an own goal. I can't recall that happening. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of Jonathan Woodgate at the Bernabeu when he scored like five own goals and got sent off on his debut. But yeah, that was something else. And it obviously made um, the second half a little bit uncomfortable. But we all know that, you know, we've been in all been in football long enough that when you are so superior in the first half, inevitably there's a drop off because the other team improve and the points are in the bag. So, you know, that I spoke about Wickham 
potentially having a turning point after the defeat at Shrewsbury for Sunderland. I think that's a huge result and probably the most complete performance, give or take, that we've seen under Lee Johnson. Yeah, I I really fancy them. Having seen them at MK Dons, I know in the, the Football League trophy, they've got real power in that squad and they've got max power in their squad. But um, <laughs> I see them going from strength to strength now. They've got a great chance. And close to a new owner as well. Yeah, I also think they've got the right front three at the moment. Gooch, McGeady and, and Wyke. I think that's that's a great combination. And, and O'Neill pushed into midfield because he's great. He's a great athlete. I think he, he adds a different different dimension. I just wanted to mention before we move off from this game, John Bostock, um, player that, that was a wonder kid at Crystal Palace all those years ago. And I got sent to interview him at the time. And he was, he was tipped to be like, I don't know, like... Um, a future England starting, you know, England, full England international by the time he was 18. So it's interesting to see to see him pop up at Doncaster. And he came on as, as a sort of deep line playmaker and, and did OK, I think, in the second half. So, yeah, I wish him well. He's a really nice kid. The world was at his feet when I interviewed him. Um, it didn't work out for him, sadly, but he's plugged away and he's, he's making a career, even if it's not the career he, he, he wanted. Uh, right, so in the week that Northampton sacked Keith Curl with just six wins to their name so far this season, they then went and didn't stop the slump. Bottom side Burton winning 2-0 against them on Saturday. Uh, first things first, when did you last see an indirect kick that close uh, to goal? Jonathan Mitchell picking up a back pass maybe 10 yards from goal. I remember seeing one at Watford in the Premier League two or three years ago. And it is so random, Clarky, isn't it? Yeah, you don't see it too often, do you? I mean, it was it was poor from the keeper. I mean, he should he should have known better than to handle the the, the back pass. It seems like it used to happen a lot more. Um, I remember I played for England schoolboys, and I we, I remember being the designated taker of a free kick if that happened. Like we worked on it, and we even practiced it in training. And I, I was just like, it didn't seem that weird at the time, but but yeah, I. I it, yeah, it just doesn't seem to seem to happen too often these days. But um, yeah, what what is even rarer is that you see a goal from one of those. Normally, they come to nothing. Ten men on the line block it. So well well done to uh, to the player that spanked it into the net. I thought you meant a goal from either Northampton or Burton there, Clarky, which was pretty <laughs> spot on as well. <laughs> uh, Burton under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, really back in the picture now. Would you be surprised? Um, if they stayed up now under his stewardship, Sam? Um, not at all. No. Um, I think it's brilliant that such an entertaining striker, I know we're saying this every week, but is, um, I wouldn't say negative in his tactics, but so pragmatic in, in the way he sets the team up. I mean, they conceded 19 goals in the five games before he took charge and obviously just um, shit one since he's gone in in the, in the four games. But it, it's a new team. They're probably you know, bedding in in terms of the the attacking players that he's got at his disposal because a lot of them have just arrived. But the new look defence, well, a couple of youthful additions in uh, Josh Earl and, and Hayden Carter have, have really improved them. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a, I think it was a really good away performance against the Northampton side who changed their style a little bit in the opening 20 minutes because they've got caretaker managers in charge. But I think the first goal was obviously going to, uh, have a huge bearing on this this uh, outcome and, and Burton went on and won, won quite comfortably. 
Yeah, and I'm sorry to remind you of this, Sam, but uh, Burton have two games in hand over Swindon as well, just two points mm. behind them. It's so tight there from 18th downward. Roch- Rochdale, AFC Wimbledon, Bristol Rovers, Swindon Town, Wigan, Northampton and Burton. Four points separating um, those seven teams, which is just incredible. It's going to go right down to the wire by the looks of it. Uh, for Northampton, though, they, they just don't seem to have the quality that we saw in the playoffs, Clarkie, do they? They're bottom of the form table uh, with Bristol Rovers, who are also managerless at the minute. Yes, they well, they ripped up their team. The, the side that got promoted was sort of just chopped and they brought in a load of new players and, and they were trying to go for a slightly different style and it hasn't really worked and, and Keith Curls paid the price for that. It still took me slightly by surprise. But but then I, I listened to John Brady, the caretaker, who came in. He's the youth manager. I played against John Brady, actually, when he was at Rushton and Diamonds in the, in the non-league. And yeah, I thought I recognised him. He's coming from the, from the youth team, managed Brackley successfully previously. And he says he couldn't believe the attitude of the players. He said that they were basically hammering each other. He said that they were they were moaning at each other, just 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 grumbling, getting very very angry in training, and he didn't like what he saw. So so he'll he'll have to to sort of you know really get to work on the man management and to try and raise morale. Sounds to me as if that that ship hasn't been pulling in the same direction in recent weeks, and that maybe is one of the reasons why why Keith Curl uh, left the job. Yeah, interesting. Another uh, team bang in trouble are, are Wigan. Oxford were the winners at the Kassam Stadium, 2-1 in the end. But this game perhaps notable for the fire alarm uh, that caused a delay to the second half after one of the floodlights caught fire. Uh, Carl Robinson post-match says, I've never spoken to firemen at halftime before and I apologise to the fans if we've ruined their romantic Valentine's Day plans. <laughs> Either of you got any experience of this happening in, in your careers or anything similar, Clarkey? Oh, not not far, not a floodlight fire. I mean, the floodlights have gone out before, and um, yeah, you've had to go in, and but yeah, never never a fire. I was at Arsenal when the training ground caught fire, and that was oh, that wow. was quite hairy. Um, I wasn't there at the time, but one of the youth players apparently, um, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was true or not, but the urban myth was that they that yeah they'd done something with a tumble dryer and um, put too much in or something and it caught fire and, and it basically burnt down the changing rooms. And it, in effect, it, it inadvertently impacted my Arsenal career because what happened was certain people would change at the importer cabins at the training ground and the first team group would go to a nearby hotel, which was really lovely, and, and they would get bussed in. And yeah, I, I missed the cut and, and, and I was just outside of the 18 or whatever that, that were, were bussed in. And basically, I never saw the rest of the first team squad for, for weeks on end because we, we trained and changed at different times. And I didn't get that chance to sort of impress the manager. So, yeah, it was it was a, a sort of d- double double blow for me personally. So there you go. I, got I hope a you hunted fire him story. down afterwards. <laughs> it might it might have had something to do with the fact that I wasn't quite good enough as well but but I didn't yeah, want to say that I wanted to like, blame the tumble dryer <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm happy to roll with that <laughs> Sam I can't follow that can I um no <laughs> uh I remember the floodlights going at Kidderminster once that's as uh, glamorous as I'm gonna be able to produce uh and I think it was like during extra time and I think we went out and conceded straight away because we just wanted to get home by that stage and it was in the Football League trophy as well. 
Mm. Well, Sam, do you reckon Oxford could make the playoffs? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they've given themselves um, a hell of a task, really, in terms of the way they started the season. But they've been in brilliant form, yeah. And um, I think they've got yeah, goals, uh, an abundance of goals in the team, good options in, in, the, in the forward areas and a, and a top manager um, still fighting on uh, the other front as well. I'm going to be there on... Um, Tuesday night in the Football League trophy. So it could end up being a really successful season for Oxford after a real hellish start. You know, um, you get into grips with losing so badly in that playoff final against Wickham. Yeah. What what impressed me in this game was they went with a slightly different front three, didn't they? Sykes, Barker, Winnell, all played well. And then when when they went 1-0 down, he went for broke. He put on, I think, Shadipo and, and Elliot Lee. For, for Kelly and Rodriguez, sort of two different types of, of players. Went for broke, basically, and and it worked for, for Carl Robinson. So so you have to give him credit. They're the best team in the league, Faye. Across the last 12 games, 29 points. No one has, has, has been better than Oxford in the last 12 matches. So they 100% can make the playoffs. They might even be looking at top two. Yeah, they're second in terms of um, goals scored. Uh, only Portsmouth have scored more with 44, but they're uh, they're level with Charlton and Doncaster having scored 43. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed Carl Robinson's side can uh, give a push. And I've got an extra eye to keep on that because obviously Elliot Lee's gone on there on loan for the end of the season. Uh, so it's time to continue the ACCA. Um, who's picked a League One odds? Oh yeah, me, 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 me. I have, I have. Portsmouth to beat Bristol Rovers. What say Paddy Power on that, Abby Patterson? Paddy Power say yes, that's going to happen. It is 8-2-11 for Portsmouth to beat Rovers. Um, at the moment, then, that treble is coming in at just around 4-1. to one. And I had a quick look there for you, Clarkie, if you want to put uh, Oxford in a top two finish, 12-1. to one. Mm. Uh, Final stop, League Two. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. So a decimated fixture list because of the weather. Six games called off. Those that did play, uh, well, the big news is that Southend are out of the relegation zone for the first time since October after drawing 0-0 with Cambridge. Bolton move up to 13th with a win over Stevenage and Colchester United and Mansfield sort out a two-all draw on Sunday. Let's start with that, shall we? Frank Nublay grabbing a point um, for Colchester in the last minute of normal time. Massive point, really, for them, given their recent form and a bit of a slide down the table. But do you worry for them in the long run, Clarkey? No, no, I think Colchester will be all right. Um, the home form has been strong. Only lost twice, actually, at the uh, at their home stadium. So so that form will save them. Nublay is, is a returning striker. He was brilliant for them last year. Um, and 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 he's only I think this was only his second second appearance for them uh, this time around. So so he's he's going to make a big difference. I think what was interesting here was that Steve Ball made a big call because they were in a, on a rotten run, weren't scoring goals. I think I think it was five games without a goal, and he left Giovanni Brown, his leading scorer, out of the match day squad, 
because he said that, that everyone needs to to train hard. Basically, he called him out for not, not working hard enough on the training pitch and, and he sent a message to the team. It kind of paid off because they got themselves a result and, and they scored a couple of goals. But but that's strong management from a gaffer that was that was under a bit of pressure. So so well done to Steve Ball, well done to Colchester. And yeah, look, they got Senior, Harriet, Poku, Nuble and Brown to come back in. I've got no doubt Colchester will start scoring goals again. They're going to need to because they've got Crawley, Exeter, Forest Green Rovers uh, next. Uh, so pretty tough fixtures coming up for them. Mansfield will be disappointed, though, given that they've lost one in their last 12. Uh, does it still surprise you, Sam, to see them down 15th in the table? Well, it, it does because I think we would have all anticipated them being strong this year. But um, we've been burnt. I've said this about a few teams. We've been burnt by Mansfield before and it looked like that was going to happen again this year. But Nigel Clough is just doing an astonishingly good job. It's a really difficult division to put this type of run together. Eight matches now. I think two defeats in in 15. And unfortunate with the, the late equaliser. Brilliant finish as it was from, from Nuble, But still... Loads to like about Mansfield. Really pleased to see Jamie Reid getting a run in the side. Uh, a young player that I played with at Exeter and he combined with James Perch for a, an excellent goal yesterday. So I just feel, you know, I spoke about it with Matt about a month ago. He was giving them a shout potentially to go on that run towards the playoffs. I just think it's probably going to be slightly beyond them this year. But I tell you what, two home games and that's where they need to improve. They've only had two wins at home all season against Bolton and Cambridge United on the horizon. If they can find their form at home, their consistent form, maybe take maximum points, then who knows? But yeah, I think Nigel Clough's done a brilliant job. And of course, next year, they will. if they don't go up this year, they'll be, they'll be one of the favourites, you would suggest. Mm, speaking of Bolton, they were 1-0 winners over Stevenage. Scraped past them, really. Declan John uh, with the goal. They don't really fill you with that much confidence, do they, uh, Bolton, Clarkey? They're just very hit and miss, aren't they? Bolton Wanderers, um, yeah, it's it's been an uninspiring season. When you think about how many signings they made in the summer, and I think they were the bookies' favourites to go up because they basically hoovered up a load of the best players from from League Two, from non-league, even League One, and and it just it just didn't really gel for them. Um, so what they've done, they've, they've sort of had a reincarnation in January, brought in a load of other new faces, and 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 they're taking their time to. To jail, but yeah, it's, it's been re- really hit and miss, and yeah, I, I just think Bolton fans will be sort of wishing this season away to some degree, and, and hoping that they can just build a a more regular lineup um, moving forwards for, for next year. I mean, Bolton shouldn't be in League Two, um, and I, but I think they will be next year. So Bolton play three of the bottom six after that game against Mansfield in midweek and really they need all of those to be wins, don't they? Uh, Right, let's round up the ACA. We need one more from League Two and that is coming from you, Abby. It is and... Oh my goodness, it's impossible to choose something from League Two in this midweek. I've been staring at it and staring at it for a good half an hour. Uh, Two teams are odds-on to win in their games. One of them was... Forest Green against Oldham but that but Oldham is so good away from home that I wasn't feeling so good uh, picking that one so I've gone for the other team there are odds on and that is Salford City who play Barrow they are 20 to 23 to win that game 
put that into our accumulator and that comes out at eight to one if you fancy that and remember of course that Paddy Power do have an Acker insurance if one leg of the fourfold Acker lets you down one thing to note that with this uh, Acker insurance is that it's not valid on bets that are one to five or under so Sam's at four to eleven is teetering on the edge but it's okay as it stands and as ever prices are accurate at the time of recording it is over 18s only terms and conditions apply and when the fun stops stop Right, so to end the show, it was going to be a discussion on double acts, but we remembered on Tuesday, it's a very important day in the calendar year. It is pancake day. So nice and simple. It always comes back to food. Clarkie, what is your favourite pancake topping? Oh, I love I love pancakes. I, I eat pancakes quite regularly it's it's a kind of weekend breakfast choice yeah it's a, and i found a lovely little place in leicester as well that that did these stacked pancakes and and i'm, I'm waiting for for lockdown to end so that i can go back there um I, I like a lot of toppings obviously maple syrup is is a no-brainer i i also like nutella you know with you know with banana and stuff like that but, but yeah just just fruit fruit and, and maple syrup i'm happy with that Sam? I'm going to keep this brief because I know it's going to upset a lot of people. Completely with Clarky, Love all the above. Love the old uh, American pancakes, bacon, maple syrup. But I am an, I'm a savoury man. Spent a lot of time in, in France during my childhood. Cheese, ham, mushrooms. I like a crepe. That's just like an omelette. Just eat an omelette. Just, just, I don't just get a, it. Just That's what it is, Faye. That's what it is, Faye. You're going to have to take it. Well, I'll, I'll take it, but I'll dismiss it instantly. <laughs> I have banana pancakes, gluten-free ones, with um, agave syrup, a little bit of yogurt and some blueberries, and they are absolutely delish. Anyway, that's all uh, for this week. Thank you for listening with us. Ali and George are going to be back on Thursday when they're speaking with Charlton owner Thomas Sandgard. But for now, from Adrian, Sam, Abby and myself, have a lovely week. See you later. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.